0: pray that you'd have your will and your way in the services this tonight and guide, lead, and direct in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Philippians, we looked at chapter 4, chapter 3. I'm going to have you turn to Philippians chapter 2. And if you remember in Philippians 4, we started out talking about unity. And then it talked about whatsoever things are, and it lists a number of things... Uh, You know, whatsoever state you're in, be content. And then in chapter 2, we have no confidence in the flesh. We we suffered the loss of all things. And the idea is to know Him. And then it talks about uh, those that are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Their God is their belly. And to mark those that follow God. And, And really, that's what we need to do. When you come across people that have a good Christian testimony, you ought to mark those people because they're going to be few and far between in today's world. Um, unfortunately, uh, you, if you've been in this long, you know that it's harder to have fellowship outside of these walls, really. get involved in a lot of things, but you know, I make sure everybody knows who I am. Where I stand. Um, I was at the chamber function the other day and it was interesting. I, you know, one of the pastors won a bottle of wine. He went up and got it. Another pastor won a bottle of wine. He went up and got it. And then they joked about it. They left me out of the joke for some reason, but they joked about it. And then I saw a picture with, you know, four pastors and another Christian leader up there with their bottles of wine in the picture. It, you know, okay, just a joke, maybe. But, you know, I, that's you draw the line somewhere. I, I don't drink because I don't need to. It's not the end of the world if somebody um, has a drink. Should you? I, I don't think so. I think it's a bad testimony. You know, I, I think if... Think about this, okay, so... Hot toddies, you've heard of those. Well, what do you have to do to make a hot toddy? You've got to go buy it, Go to the liquor store, which I don't know that you got to go to the liquor store. I guess you go to the supermarket. It used to be in Pennsylvania you had to go to the liquor store. You've got to go buy something and put it in your cabinet. You know, and then somebody comes over. You know, I had a lot of people over at the house the other day. They see it and they go, hmm, well, it's for my hot toddies. It doesn't work that way. You open up my refrigerator and you know, it's, it's got you know, one shelf of beer, let's say. That's problematic. Um, you've got. I've got to be more concerned. And listen, I don't. First of all, I would never need it. I always ask people, "Why do you drink? Do you do it to get inebriated? Oh, no, no. To be social, to relax, to lower your inhibitions." I said, "More people have gotten more in more trouble with lower inhibitions than most anything else in the world." I don't need to lower my inhibitions. I am who I am because of because of Christ. And I can do all the things I can do and enjoy myself because I'll, I'll tell you another thing. I don't care what people think of me. You know, in other words, I have, I, I do care testimony. I do care love. I don't care if people are outside the lines. In other words, if I do everything within my power to present myself as, as, as who I, who I want to be. I can't say who I am because who knows who, who I am. Then I leave it up to God. I used to try to fix all that. You know, if I, you know, I came across wrong and, oh, I know they misunderstood this. And you just, man, you can spend your whole night worrying about what people think about you. And you can't fix a bit of it. So what you do is you, you, you pray about it, you put it in God's hands, and you move on. Now, something comes up later on, you, you, you go ahead and try to fix things that you can fix. But there's only so much you can do. But you ought to mark people, like the Bible says that live according to the precepts of the Word of God. Draw close to them. Befriend them. Maybe they need a friend. Maybe they need encouragement. Listen, the one thing we can do is encourage other believers to live right, do right, because as time goes on, it's going to be harder to live right and do right. I just read about a commander on a naval ship. He got uh, demoted. He He got relieved of his duty because he didn't take the shot. Do you, and I, and I, I did take a picture of it. Let me, let me tell you what I, what I saw because I think it's important that you see this. Um, so um, according to data from the Navy, about 5,730 active-duty sailors remain unvaccinated as of December 9th. The Navy also signed off on seven medical exemptions, 326 temporary medical exemptions, 124 administrative exemptions the Navy has not approved any religious exemptions despite 2,705 active-duty sailors putting in requests. Hmm. And so on the USS Winston Churchill, the, I guess the, the, the captain over that boat, he got relieved because he didn't, he didn't take the shot. And, um, you know, I'm sorry, that it's just too new. Listen, take the shot if you want the shot. Get the booster if you want the booster, but, you know, the, the medical data is not out there. And we don't know what the long-term ramifications are. Fortunate for me, I'm 62. I got less ahead of me than I do behind me. But boy, if I was 40, man, I'd, you know, and some of these guys are, a lot of these guys are. Um, And there's some religious exemptions too, which I won't go into. I I don't want to discuss them really why you would have a religious exemption uh, because I think it's something that each individual has to decide on their own. But I just thought that was just really a sad state of affairs when um, you can go fight in a war, you can go work during COVID, you can be a nurse and a doctor during COVID, you can be a police officer during COVID, you can be a military man during COVID, and you can risk your life... When they didn't have any vaccines and they and, and it was running rampant, and then as soon as things passed a some, they are getting rid of because more conservatives don't take the shot than non conservatives they're getting rid of people that take a stand against it for um, constitutional reasons. You know what you're left with you're left with a hierarchy that is not constitutionally caring about standing behind the Constitution. That's the bottom line where we're heading. And unfortunately, that's just the way it is. Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 2. He says, Fulfill ye my joy that be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. I close my Bible up right now and say, Hey, we can give an invitation. That's it. We're done. That's all you got to do. Right there. Look at it. Fulfill you my joy. Be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, one mind. You know what it would be like to have a church with one accord, one mind, and like-minded? Boy, a little heaven on earth. I appreciate the fact that we do have, I, I guess, I don't know of anything. we got us on the same page. Glory to God. But you know what happens, inevitably, is that people start becoming less like-minded. They're not of one accord. They're not of one mind. Uh, They start doing things through strife or vainglory rather than lowliness of mind and rather than esteeming others better than themselves. Do you realize that my biggest asset can be, if it were me, to esteem others better than myself? Because as a pastor, people look at you and go, well, you've got a position. You're, you know, touch not God's anointed. Okay, I get it. I get that. But you know what happens whenever the pastor starts thinking about touch not God's anointed? I'll tell you where it goes. Right there. You better not say that to me because, listen, I don't need to say that. You know, we had somebody here that got run off from 30 churches and he wanted me to run them off. You know what? I don't do it. Why? Because I'm not going to allow that person or anybody, really, to manipulate the situation. I pray about it. I ask God for insight. When I get the insight that I need, I'm going to do the opposite because, listen, we're supposed to be esteeming one another better than ourselves. That goes for you and each other. You, me, me, you. It goes for all of us. There's not a hierarchy in the church. We don't have it like uh, you, nobody. Now, I got a good ring on because I, I, I like to advertise that, you know, I graduated From Penn State. So I got my Penn State ring. Nobody kisses my ring. I mean, you guys don't even kiss my feet. In fact, look at the shoes I had to wear today. Quite appropriate for today's message. I got me some fish shoes. You know, just so you just wonder, well, you know, I got stinky. Yes, I got stinky feet, I'm sure. Uh, So, you know, what I'm saying is look at what the Bible says of one mind, one accord, esteeming others better than yourself. If we do that, what a difference we'll make. Look at verse, verse 12 of chapter 2. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as my presence only, but now, now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I had met with some Some Catholics and they took you, you know, they got. I've got the printout somewhere. It's probably it's in my Bible somewhere, and it has um, all these problem verses, you know, that teach supposedly works salvation. And they uh, they pulled it out on me, and you know, they started going over them because you know it sounds like you're supposed to work for your own salvation. I wish I had known I was going to bring it up. I'd show it to you. But that's not what it says. What does it say? Work out your own salvation. Now, when you read into it, or if you have a modern version that doesn't have um, the understanding that your Bible has, and it changes a word here and a a nuance there, you're not going to get what you're supposed to get out of this verse. And really, that's what happens a lot of time. you got your Bible, read it again. Look at what it says. It says... Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Look at the verse 13. For, or because, for can mean because, right? Because, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. So God's working in you. How does anybody know that? Because you've got to work it out. If He's working it in, if He's working in you, nobody can see what's going on in me. I can't see what's going on in you, meaning spiritually. I can't see what's going on in you unless you work it out. You work it out by living the life that God wants you to live. And when you work it out, what is in, then people can see Christ, glorify Christ. And that's what he's talking about. Can you imagine that verse being used to teach you lose your salvation? Or I mean that you've got to work for your salvation? Now I'll tell you this. When that verse was brought up to me, I was in Birmingham, Alabama. Dining room table had um, about eight Catholics around me. Two of them had gotten saved and six, you know, six of them were still lost. That verse was brought up. All I had to do was read the next verse. But when you're in, an, in a tense situation, you don't, you don't have a tendency to do that. And that's what you've got to do. When, you're, when you are faced with a problem in the Bible... Read the surrounding verses. Context determines meaning. Without a context, you can't know the meaning. Without knowing the meaning, it can basically say whatever the person on the other side of the table is trying to get it, make it to say. Okay, So work out what is worked in. Look at verse 19. Verse 19, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Paul was concerned about others all the time. We should be too. Uh, Al's not here this morning, uh, tonight. Is he doing well? He's out of state. He's what? He's out of state. He is? Uh, who knew? i, I take my brother in law somewhere. Okay, okay. I didn't know that. But you know, in other words, I, 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 after we prayed and I looked out there, I didn't see Al, and I, and, and I was concerned: Is Al sick? Because listen, I, I miss every one of you when you are gone. And you know, Al was out for quite a while. And I said, "Man, Al," I said, "I thought we all thought you were backslid." Just joking with him. You know, he's got the stomach tight as a knot. I mean, I get it; he's in pain. Uh, you know, some of you had some things like that. You weren't able to come for a little while, but it still concerns us. You get back in, then you are gone. Had nothing to do with me back. Just I was just joking with him. But when I saw him, he wasn't here tonight. I'm like, ah, I forgot to ask about Al. So I just did. Why? What does it say right there? He he was he wanted to be of good comfort that I may know your state. I feel better about Al right now. Look at the next verse. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. He said, man, I got Timotheus. You know what? He just, he naturally has a love for others. He really cares. And, you know, it's like my wife. I'll be on the phone, call it called, and she walks right over my door. She says, how's he doing? And I'm like, and he's talking about Miss Millian, bringing her to the party. And, man, my mind's on logistics. Her mind's on houses state. Not, you know, and, and then I hang up and, I, and she says, did you ask him? I went, no. I I didn't even think about it, you know, although she was mouthing it to me. And I, so if you hear my wife talking in the background, I probably just need, hold on. My wife has something very important to ask you. Are you still alive? You know, or something like that, you know. Uh, You know, so in other words, she's like that. She thinks quickly about somebody's state quicker than I do. Not that I don't care. It's just You know, I'm concerned about getting Millie over to our house. I know Hollett's going out of town, but now both of them are sick. It needs to be something I'm more focused on. You get it? And you do too. We all do. Look at what he says in verse 21. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But ye know the proof of Him that as a son with a father, He hath served with me in the gospel. What a tremendous thing to say about somebody. Everybody seeks their own, but Timotheus didn't. He sought out the welfare of others. And by the way, you know, it, it's something that uh, God has to give you a heart to do it. I, I've told you this many times. In January of 2019, my heart changed. I was an evangelist. Now, I still was an associate pastor at the church, missions pastor, all that, but it was never on me, it was always on the pastor. And I just took the pressure off of him. That was my duty. That was my desire. That was what I, but inevitably it was on him. Well, in January of 19, when God, when I, looked, when I told her, God's dealing with me about getting back in the pastorate, it wasn't because ding, 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 oh, no, it was my heart changed. I became more pastoral. In fact, it was when we left Knoxville and I looked, I, I was just really in my mind. We'd gone to Atlanta, prayer breakfast, and I, I just knew that I'd rather be back there in Knoxville for the first time in 19 years. I'd rather just be done with the whole thing traveling. And we had 30,000 miles to go. We were on the 180th mile or 120 miles. However, Knoxville to Atlanta is not, it's pretty close. We had a lot to do yet. And you know what? I finished... The course, but that's what God did. He changed my heart. Now it doesn't mean I'm perfect, it doesn't mean that that somehow now oh I just care about everybody all the time. I, I don't. I don't. You know, I'm not Timothy. Timothy naturally did that. I had to be worked on more and more and more and more. And still a lot of work to do. Now turn to Philippians chapter one. Look at verse 4. Philippians 1.4 Always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. He talks about the fellowship in the gospel. Um, that's what we need to fellowship around is the gospel. Uh, the reason I, I think church is so crucial, is because some of your best friends, some of the people that need to be closer than family, are right here within these walls. You know, I don't have family down here. Some of you don't have family down here, but I'll tell you who my family is. It's right out there. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you, and you guys are family. And it's been very important in my life because, you know, my dad didn't get saved until just a couple of months ago. And he never, man, they, I quit my job in in Atlanta, Georgia, and I didn't call my dad for four weeks after I arrived in Alabama to go to Bible college. I called him, and thank God he was in the shower. (laughs) Hey, Mom, tell him I quit my job, and I'm over in Alabama. Well, you don't have cell phones. Guess what? We didn't talk until it was time for me to talk to him. And, you know, it was not a pretty conversation. He didn't understand. Well, Guess what? Well, now you can look back and say, "Well, oh, yeah, I get it now." But I'm the one living it at the time. I'm the one that you know. I, I'm, you know, I was brought up to be successful. Guess what? God gave me my cake and eat, and I ate it too. I'm sorry. <laughs> God gave me my cake and I eat it too. Uh, I, I, got, I got the best of both worlds. I got to be serving God, not just full-time in the ministry, but even when I wasn't full-time, I was full-time work. I still did teaching or preaching 10, 12 times a week on the side, so to speak. I was president of the Faith Rescue Mission. I went to the juvenile detention center several times a week. I went to the jail, a Tog County Jail, Sunday morning before Sunday school. On and on and on, I can tell you, I went to the prison, Julia Tutwiler Women's Prison, preached to the AIDS uh, inmates. You know, in other words, just because I I didn't quit all my work, I didn't do that till 1995, and then went full time in, in working for the church. Although I worked on, then I worked on the side to make money to live, because you know they they paid me, I don't remember what it was. 15000 a year, you know, minus the children's school, minus my health insurance, netted me about 7000 a year with two children. You know, listen, God took care of us. But I, I'm just telling you, what, what is it all about? What it's about is the fellowship of the gospel. You know who my family was in Alabama? Closer than anybody else, people in that church. You know my family was in Knoxville? Closer than anybody else people in that church. You know my family is my family is here. My family is is here. Now I have a lot of outreach. And the reason I do that is because listen, you you have you have me and my love. But we got to go outside these doors. Now there's a lot of different ways to do it. I can go knock on doors and, you know, talk to a few people here and there. Great. Or I can write a news article and talk to everybody in Niceville. That's the way it works. And God's just opening up doors and doing this. I speak before groups and I get to speak to them and they know who I am. They know where we are. In fact, Doug and Melissa came because of that. So, you know, maybe you don't see a whole lot of fruit right away, but you realize fruit can ripen overnight. All of a sudden you look at you look out a tree one day and you go, Man, there's nothing there. And then the sun comes up the next day and all of a sudden there's all this fruit that's ripe. We just don't know. I'm not telling you it's going to work out that way. You know what I'm going to do? Keep doing what I'm doing until God tells me I'm not doing the right thing. And then I'll move in another direction. And I'll figure out what it is. And listen, I go, go, go. I have something every day in the month of December. Every day. I got a meeting tomorrow morning at Two Trees in, in I'm talking Judy and going with me. I said, listen, it's a lunch date, baby. I got a meeting together, but it's a lunch date. Come on. And and you know, and, and she's and I get her involved in a few things here and there and, and and try to especially before yesterday, I had to give her a little bit more time and say, I'm not gonna invite you to this, invite you to that. She didn't go to the police uh, Christmas party with me, because uh, we were having a few people over the next day. Uh, she didn't go to the chamber Christmas party because we were having a few part- people over. They were both on Thursday night. What I'm telling you, though, is figure out a way. Now, this is me. I'm, I'm out there. I'm trying to do this and this and this and this. Figure out a way to get involved. You guys don't all live here. You live in Freeport. Go to Freeport. Go, go where you live. Figure out a way to get involved with people and then talk to them. And, and I know you do. I'm just saying be creative. Be creative. Be creative. Talk to your neighbors. Find out, you know, look on the Internet. Look at what's going on. Get the paper and read it and find out that there's, a, that there's something going on in your town and it interests you and you get involved in it. I think what we've done is we've said, listen, the only thing you ought to be involved in is the church. Quite the opposite. If you think that, we've taught wrong. What you need to be involved in is any way that you can show people what it's like to live the Christian life. Where you can talk to them sooner or later about the gospel. I've already told you, i got my eyes set on you know, him. And I, I'm, I'm saying, hey, I don't see it. And, you know, and, and I'm patient. But one day it'll be, hey, let's get together you know, just the four of us. Let's talk and then just see what happens. But I take my time because I'm getting the, inc- I'm getting the inclination, hey, they're, they're going to keep coming. So take your time. We get real impatient. What do we do? Ah, I've got to get in the gospel. And then that's the way you come across. I've done it. And guess what I found out? is isn't always as effective as letting God take control. All right, look at uh, verse 6. Verse 6, chapter 1, being confident of this very thing, I love this verse, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet for me to ha- think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. Partakers of the grace Paul received. What a tremendous thing. Defense and confirmation. He was a a channel of grace. You know what I want to be? I want to be a channel of grace. Look at verse 9. And this I pray, and then you could read Paul's prayer, but we'll just read the first part, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. So he talked about their love abounding more and more in knowledge and in judgment. Look at... But I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Verse 14, And many of the brethren the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. They saw what Paul was going through and you know what it did? It didn't discourage them and make them quit. It made them more bold. So when you see something going on in somebody's life, don't automatically think, oh me, oh my, that's the worst thing in the world. Think about it from this perspective. I wonder if that's supposed to encourage me to be more bold. You see somebody under attack, be bold. You see somebody that you say, man, I, I don't know what happened to them. Don't think the worst all the time. You, you, listen, most of what you hear probably isn't even true. You know, the Internet. You know I, I, I posted something the other day, tried to attach it, and they said, we do not allow this URL because it looks like a um, legitimate website. It had to do with health things. I'm like, and that's just where we are today. So what they're saying, everything they're saying is untrue now. They're controlling our speech. So you're going you're gonna to be fed the line that they want you to be fed, and that's it. That's it. That's the first time I ever saw that. I said, man, that is, that is wild. Of course, they said, do you think this is wrong? And I didn't say yes, because I couldn't. I don't have the time to check it all out. So I didn't go out there on the line and say, no, it's not right. I just didn't post it. Look at Luke chapter 9. With this, we're going to close in Luke 9. Luke 9, verse 49. And John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name. We forbade him, because he followeth not with us. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. He didn't say go join him, and he didn't say you know, get him to join us. He just said, don't hinder them. Don't hinder them. So be careful what you think. Be careful what you, how your mind races in certain areas. Because it's easy to be deceived. It's easy to be misled. I've got to be conscious. And listen, the more you get in your Bible, the more you'll become God-conscious. That's why the Bible is under such attack. Because it's, you know, the truth shall make you free. You know, the most dangerous people in the world are free people. Why is there such an attack on freedoms? Because the most dangerous people are free people to anybody that wants to enslave. And there's a lot of people that want to enslave people you know why Hollywood does what Hollywood does? They put out all this, you know, I mean, think about it. I'm um, anti-gun. <laughs> in all their movies. I mean, why does a guy that's against guns shoot somebody with a, loaded, with a gun that's got a loaded weapon? In it? Well, first of all, he's dumb as a box of rocks. I never pulled the trigger. Well, you don't pull back the hammer and let the hammer go either, you oh. dummy. And you always consider a gun as, as, and, and why are you using real guns? I'll tell you why, because it has to look realistic. Do you know there was a show? Oh, what's his I had his name just a second ago. I, my sister used to watch it all the time. Um, he, was a, he was a guy that could do anything. Xavier, what? MacGyver. MacGyver. <laughs> Xavier. MacGyver. Well, I told you I analyze things. So I used to, I can analyze commercials, I can analyze advertisements, I can analyze shows. Well, I don't, I didn't have a TV for 10 years. And if you don't have a TV and then you sit in front of a TV, it's a totally different show, at least for me. Do you know that MacGyver would show close ups of him making a bomb, disarming, using everyday materials to make a bomb? And they would zoom in on his hands, doing this and wiring and doing this and doing that. Boy, we have VCRs way back when that I remember. Maybe we had a VCR back then, but that was about it. Um, But they were showing people on television how to make those things. Do you know that a lot of the stuff in Harry Potter that are, you know, in the witch shows and all that, they're real things, incantations that are putting out there. So, I, you know, what's Hollywood about? It's destroying America. Because what do you think Hollywood wants? If you, have, if you have a decadent society, you can do whatever you want. I mean, that's the way they all live out, not all of them. That's the way many of the hierarchy controls the people. You, want, you, know, you heard the couch. Well, they got to be on the couch in order to get the part, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, that's what I'm talking about. They want a decadent society, and what you and I have got to learn is that is what they're pushing that's why the you know I heard it with uh, Rittenhouse he was he was playing some games, some um, shoot 'em up games, and then he just looks at him and he says, "Well, that's just a game, you know, and it's like isn't that what you guys have been saying all along? It's just a game, you know and now." The 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 prosecuting attorney's trying to use it against the defendant, and saying you played those games. Isn't that to see how to shoot somebody? And by the way, you know what the Marines do? They put them in front of those. Uh, what is it? What's one of the ones? Anybody know the name of one? Call of, Duty. Call of Duty. It's exactly the one it is. They put them in front of Call of Duty in order to take their inhibitions out of pulling the trigger. The trigger pulling has to be. Automatic. You can't think, you can't feel, you got to do it. Well, you're doing it on call of duty, you don't have any feelings. So, listen, it is all orchestrated. Now, what you and I have to do, we have to get busy talking to people and working out our own salvation so people can see Jesus. You say, oh, it's such a a bad thought to think about what Hollywood's doing. Such a bad thought to think about, they want to control us. No, you just got to be aware of it. And if you turn on the television, watch the news, just go, liar, liar, pants on fire. You know? That's the way it is. Let's all stand together. Let's pray. Lord, you do thank you for your many blessings. I just pray, Lord, that you would guide, lead, and direct in all things. Lord, I thank you for being who you are. Thank you for the Mills being here today, uh, Lord, and... Uh, the fellowship that we had and the opportunity to uh, use the house to house him. And um, Lord, just uh, get up in the morning and have some fellowship and uh, go to bed at night, and same thing. And it was just such a wonderful time. I just pray, Lord, that you would uh, help each one of us do our part in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads bowed and eyes closed.